hang on to your butts, people. Hang on to your uh, gluteus maximuses. Gluteus hang on to your scorpion tails. Whatever it's attached to. It we is, don't know. It is about to go down. You thought you were going to find out. You were wrong. Hey, brother! And welcome, everyone, to our full spoiler review of Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Are you ready? I don't know. We've you been, don't know? We, we have been, I don't know. We have been waiting for this movie for four so years. So long. For four years. Four years. I walked into it with low expectations. Let's see how it Hey, brother. Guys, before we dive on into the review, we need to tell you about a brand new product available now over at carlinbrotherscoffee.com. It is our yellow common room candle candle, and it smells like warm buttermilk pancakes on a Sunday morning. I, I mean, it is tremendous. It really, really, truly is. I don't know if, if the term scent throw is the proper one, but it has one and it's good. It is a very, very warm, welcoming scent. And as a super fun bonus, once the uh, wax burns all the way down, there is a special magical charm hidden inside, which you could collect, which is exclusive to the yellow common room candle. If you want to check it out, you can do so at carlinbrotherscoffee.com. Link is in the description down below. Ben, let me ask you this. Let, let, me, know, let me ask you if you agree with this opening statement. Okay. Despite Tina being in the movie, for less than 60 seconds, mm -hmm. her and Newt's scene was still the best scene in the movie. Yes! 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 Okay. Oh my gosh! Okay, like, I'm glad okay. you agree. I was like, it, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that either because, sorry, obviously you already know, spoiler review, she, she shows up at the very end of the movie. Very end of the very end. And they're on screen together for like 60 seconds. And I was just smiling the whole time. Yes. I was like, this is, I don't, what, how are these two, I, we just need a whole show just devoid of the entire Fantastic Beast premise where it's just a love story between Catherine Waterston and Eddie Redman because I, the, the chemistry between them two on screen is so good. It's so, look, this is yes. literally what I wrote. This is, okay. Uh, I, that, that being said, I cannot begin to comprehend how Eddie Redmayne and Catherine Watterson can make their visible joy on seeing each other so absurdly evident. It's unbelievable. Word for word from my notes. Like, they're not. You know, I think Eddie Redmayne is married, but it's, yeah. like, it's like something about their on-screen chemistry is just perfect. It is and great. We, we have said it for years. For years. It continues to be true. It continues to be true. Um, anyway, so that was adorable. That being said, let's talk about the rest of okay, it. Okay, let's talk about, let's let's move from the very end of the movie to the front of the movie. To the front of the movie. The okay, the so movie. we start the front of the movie, if you will, yeah. with a scene where one Albus Dumbledore is at what appears to be a muggle. A diner place restaurant restaurant a restaurant it seemed like a fancy diner it did it yeah. was yeah maybe diner is the wrong word but he orders tea yeah, yeah yeah into this scene he is obviously sitting down with grindelwald where they have are having a discussion about the blood pact uh which is slightly fascinating to see these two like in discussion with one another it is i thought i thought they were good at talking to each other like it, i thought they had good chemistry as yes. well mads and um What's his butt? Jude Law. Jude Law. Yeah. <laughs> you know him. Dumbledore. You know, you know Mads Mickelson and not Jude Law. <laughs> we 
Got it. That being said, uh, yeah, I will also th- say that uh, immediately right out of the gate, I think that Mads Mikkelsen makes a really fantastic yes. uh, Grindelwald. I thought he did. A, he was a great Grindelwald. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Um, sure. And and I did think like the opening scene, I felt very uh, reassured by. I was like, okay, like. Like, this is good. We're seeing a lot of fantastic chemistry between these two. It was interesting to see that they have a way uh, to go and kind of communicate with one another in a way that kind of was reminiscent of like Rey and Kylo Ren from Star Wars. Yes, although I will say, and this was sort of going to be my continuous complaint, like they obviously had a way to communicate. It is not explained how they were communicating. And it was like... Is it related to the blood pact? Are they just, are you just supposed to be like, they're extra magical? It's like, did they arrange this meeting in some way? Was it actually all just happening in Dumbledore's head? It was a good scene. You're right. I came out of that opening scene watching them talk and I'm like, all right, we were off to a very good start. I like this. And then like, like it, like the scene burns up and you just cut to Dumbledore holding the blood pact. And it was like, okay, but was, wait, was that real? How did they do that? How? Don't worry, they'll explain it. Yeah, you're like, okay, don't worry, we'll we'll get to it, I hope. But boy, did they not. Boy, did they not, and boy, was that just the running theme. It was like, they would do these cool things, and then there was just like, but how? What? Like, tell me how. Yes. Like, you know what, this is just on the whole, I will say, something about the conversation they had, Dumbledore openly says, like, I was in love with you, and I was like, that was a good inclusion. Yeah. You said it out loud, that was fantastic, good on you, I like that. Um, I really wished that we had some, like, flashbacks to their time as, like, youths. Because there's a lot of storytelling and there's a lot of, like, saying that I loved you. And it's like, I kind of would have liked to have seen them, like, in their element as teenagers, like, going through the motions. Like, you know, like, why were you in love with them? Like, what was it? What what was happening? What was it like? And then they, they like tell the whole story about Ariana. Like, I really would have loved to have seen that scene play out, like actually play out rather than just being told about it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yes. So so that's that's the thing. I I agree completely. There was there was so much being done where I actually think it's it's going to be hard to articulate the sentiment that I felt about it, but it's like as far as Wizarding World Comic Con like sense is concerned like i think people will be very inspired by what we saw i think we saw a lot of really cool things the story is like a twisted mangled piece of iron that got left in the bottom of the smelting bin for too long (laughs) but um spoilers that's how i felt about it um but that being said i will say that there was we're gonna jump a little bit because i think it does have some parallels so we have the scene where they are talking in sort of like this mystified location that they somehow are able to come to together that's dumbledore and grindelwald uh later in the movie we have the scene where dumbledore finally interacts directly with credence where we see something else happen that is also very cool that feels similar but like I don't know whether or not it is. Are you talking about the spit? The the spit? Yeah. What is the spit? Well, okay. So I think, right, like Credence is there to like try and challenge Dumbledore. Yeah. And Dumbledore is like sort of aware of his presence and he looks up and he sees Credence's reflection in this like shop window. Yep. And he spits at the reflection. It goes through the window, hits Credence in the reflection, but also in real life in the forehead. Yeah, right? that was needed. That was. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we have that. <laughs> like, now, and it was like, boy, how did it was like? What did you did you 
bounce it through the reflection or something like like what did that do well if you're paying careful attention you might notice that inside of the window was like a small bullseye type thing <coughs> and so i think what he was i think what he was doing was using the bullseye to spit at credence behind him i no, i'm not yeah i'm not saying that <laughs> as if that's an explanation it was like what was the point of that how like just what i don't care like you can do this silly thing where you you know, spit at him or whatever he did, like blow the spell at him through the reflection and hit him. Just like, tell me what that was. Cause that's not like, a, oh, he did that thing from Chamber of Secrets. You know, we all know that thing. We all know that thing. Like, ah, this is cool. It's like, and the, like I, all of a sudden, like it hits him and doesn't even seem like he's aware of it, even though it looked pretty visibly coming right at his forehead between the eyes. Like, and then they're just fighting. And then he gets up the Deluminator and does the little whoop, turnover thing. And it's like, where where were you fighting? How did you get in there? What was the thing that hit him in the forehead? Like, just just tell just tell us what it was. Because, like, it was cool that you did it. And it's okay that you did it. We just don't know what you did. Yeah, yeah. So this, this, this is a lot of the problem, I think. Um, and, and for us, it's like, I will openly admit that that what we do on this channel is we deep dive. And we spend a lot of time digging into the very nitty gritty rules of all of the magical artifacts that we are aware of. So, we, so we do have lots of video content fodder. Yes, we do. Yeah. But so what I will say, is that coming into this movie, we spent an enormous amount of time with the Mirror of Erised as yeah. a concept because we've seen Dumbledore looking into it and seeing Grindelwald on the other side. Yep. We've also seen a lot of, or we've dug really deeply into the Deluminator and how it might work, how it might show uh, like your heart's desire, what type of powers might be associated with that, how it may... Uh, kind of bounce back to both the Mirror of Erised as a like concept and the Resurrection Stone as a concept. So like, I will openly say that we were walking into it with with uh, what I would call a very leaned in amount of knowledge about how a lot of this stuff might have worked and therefore possibly had a greater expectation for a potential explanation. That's true. Well, that, I, may, maybe that's our bad, but... On the other hand, they just, like, threw out a lot of the stuff that happened in Crimes of Grindelwald. Like, the mirror is just not present at all. Like, Nicholas Flamel and the Philosopher's Stone, not present at all. Nagini, not present at all. Like, they're just, like, all these, th the, the the prophecy, the, the Tycho Dodonis poem about right. wings from the water. It's like, no, no, that was just a Crimes of Grindelwald thing. It's like, was it? Because it didn't feel resolved. No, it didn't. Yeah. And the wings from the water thing, it, it absolutely felt like there was this, at the splash screen, at the end of the trailers for Secrets of Dumbledore is a phoenix that bursts into water. Right. If that's not wings from the water, I then know. I have no idea what is. Yeah. Um. So that was, you're right, you're right. There was a whole bunch of things that just got completely left out of the film. That being said, again, going back to the original meeting between Grindelwald and Dumbledore, yep. and then the sort of mirror reverse battle between Credence and Dumbledore, you are using these artifacts that we are aware of in ways that we are not aware of what they're doing. Right. And if you're not, if it's not being explained, then it's extremely confusing because right. it's, I don't think it's implied. Like, I don't think I, that it's I just agree. like use context clues to be like, oh, yes, of course, the Deluminator has this other power, which right. is to basically Doctor Strange a city and, you know, be on the inside out and everything that happens in there can't harm the people around you. 
that basically it's like sort of the end result but it just seems like they're leaning so much on like don't worry it's magic and magic can do it because it's magic yeah but that's not good enough i i agree it's not good enough it's just like just just tell us because i'm okay with you with magic doing almost anything right i just like all the stuff you're doing doesn't seem like it's ever been possible before and like i just want to know how (laughs) right right yeah but uh so there's that from From there there, we we cut to newt which in, in in a scene that I will say felt like classic Newt's commander. This yes. is like him out in the middle of nowhere. He's using like a tethered together raft. Mm-hmm. He's he's doing like very Newt's commander things right. to go and find these new creatures called Chillins. The Chillins. Q I L I N. Oh wow! I yep. definitely did not have that correct at all. Chillin. Um, so <laughs> the the chillins, I actually do think again are an interesting piece of magic because I think it brings up a whole bunch of questions yes. that you can now apply. Like, I was very excited about the chillins' power. I was like, I like this. This is cool. It's very neat. Yeah. Um, I, I have other thoughts pertaining to it, but we'll mm. start here. Okay. So, like for example, I think it's a very interesting question to apply. Would the chillin have kneeled for Harry Potter? Oh yes, it would have. Yes. I think a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Yes. Uh, yeah, but I think it's it is now very interesting to apply uh, this almost like again, if we want to bounce to um, like out of universe, like Mjolnir. You have this yeah. sort of like question of worthiness all of a sudden. Yes, you have. Yes, it's like the Harry Potter Mjolnir is exactly what it is. Right. You're yeah. Right. It's like that. That he or the, uh, the person who the chillin will will bow before is also worthy in the eyes of Thor. <laughs> yeah, is truly pure of heart. Yes, yeah. Yes, although, um, boy, people are not gonna like that it kneeled for Dumbledore. They're not gonna they're like not it. They're not gonna like it. Okay, so, so if, we're gonna, if we're gonna go there, let's just go there. Let's just go there, okay. okay. So we're gonna bounce all the way to the end of the movie. So the setup for the end of the movie, and really for the primary chunk of the movie, is that we're really introduced to this election that is going on that absolutely should have been introduced during Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And nope. when Newt walked into that giant room full of all the, you know, people from around the world, you know that scene where yeah. he's like, this is an Obscurus, you guys all must know that. That scene, the meeting that they should have been having there is preparation for this election. Yeah, like the guy, the I guess the German minister of magic, whoever, like, because well, I don't even know what they were voting for. It was like wizard high council. What was it? It's It seemed like effectively, like, okay, because here's the thing. It's like the, the, the German minister for magic, at least as far as we can tell, is currently holding this particular position. Right. It seems like this would be like being the head of like the United Nations, for example. Right. It's like it's like you are someone who has a leadership position amongst a group of leaders. leaders. Um, and you can help dictate the conversation, not that you are king of the world. Right. That being said, it seemed like the election they were having was for who gets to be king of the world. King of the wizards anyway, which yeah. is like, and th- this was the weird thing is that, yeah, you're right. It was introduced just like right at the beginning of the movie and not clearly. Like at first, like you're, you're going to the German Ministry of Magic and they talked about an election. So you're like, okay, they're electing a new German Minister of Magic, but that's not what it is. Right. Right. They're electing new King Wizard, High Council, UN leader, whatever, whatever. King Wizard. King Wizard. Yeah. We're, we're electing new King Wizard. And they have this whole thing where, like, apparently the German Minister of Magic is able to absolve Grindelwald of his crimes, clearly because he's just in cahoots with Grindelwald. But even that was unclear. Like, like why 
he was the one allowed to absolve him of his crimes. Like, because, like, was he only wanted in Germany? Because in the other movies, it seemed like America put him in prison. And then they were transporting him back to, the like, uh, England to have him pay for his crimes there. But then now over in Germany, they're like, nah, we absolve you of all your crimes. It's like, like just in Germany or everywhere. And like, maybe he was the king. Maybe, yeah, I guess maybe like, I guess maybe this was the position this guy was in power wise. Like, no, I can absolve him of all allegations because I am king wizard right now. So Grindelwald's good. Not only that, now he's up for election. And by election, and but they're like, even the, the people are like, you can't let him run. Like, that's a terrible idea. And he's like, no, 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 no. Well, we can't let him win but we have to let him run because then when the people vote, they will have spoken and they will have said no. And like, I was like, that's an obviously terrible argument. You just shouldn't let him run. But okay, if that's your argument, fine. Except that it's also not an election at the end of the day. Like no one votes. It's just, they're like, they're like, yeah, let him run. People will not vote for him. And then they're like, turns out we're not voting anyway. We're going to let this newborn chillin' decide new King Wizard. And that was the other thing too. Yeah, at some point in time, they were like, they said back in the day, this is actually how we chose leaders. Yeah. Yeah. And it was sort of like this, like, like very sentimental, like, ah, oh, I could completely see that. That would yeah. very much make sense. Right. You know, but like prior to formal politics, this would be a very uh, clear and evident way to make such a decision. And yeah. it would be a really consistently good decision because the chillin has powers that are pure. Um, but then all of a sudden it's like, it's like, yeah, they used to do it. And also we're doing it now as well. We're like, doing it now. Like and I'm revealing later. this right now. Right, right. Yeah. It's like, we, we were going to vote, but then turns out, turns out the guy that chillin'. we just absolved, he's got chilling. He's got chilling. And I'm sure there's no funny business stuff. <laughs> I'm whatsoever. sure of it. I'm sure of it. Um, so uh, we're just going to let the chilling decide. It seems like at that point, just put up every possible candidate you could. Like, it's like we predetermined these candidates way earlier in advance. So okay. it also seems surprising to me that one of them happened to also truly be pure of heart and chosen by the chillin. Yeah, Because was, let me tell you, I thought the chillin was going to kneel. In fr- like, I absolutely thought it was either going to kneel in front of Newt or Jacob. Yes, because they were really setting they were really setting Jacob up to be this like super pure of heart character the whole movie. Oh man, gave me chills. Literally gave yes. me chills just right. now because you're ex- you're so exactly right. Like like it's sort of like why Jacob? It's like yeah. and the reason why Jacob is because Jacob is just a good person. Yes, and the whole thing is about how Jacob is a good person. Yeah, and despite the fact that the chillin does ultimately kneel before Dumbledore, it does absolutely nothing for Dumbledore's confidence, and he continues to not accept a leader position for what we know is the rest of his entire life. Well, except for headmaster. Except for headmaster. Yeah, but this wasn't an election for headmaster. Yeah, it was not. And he doesn't even become headmaster <clears throat> after this moment. Yeah. We know that Dippet is at least headmaster for the next, yeah, several twenty uh, years. Twenty years until Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, um, I will say on the note of Jacob, I thought he was one of the absolute bright spots of the movie. Also, and have written down. Also, have written down. Yes. I was like, every single time like, he talked, it was, it was like laugh out loud hilarious. funny. Hilarious. He was very very good. And I thought the other one was uh, Jessica Williams as Lolly. Yeah. I thought for the whole movie, like I was like, she's just out acting everybody oh yeah he's like she's so good like you are crushing it she felt like a character who was taken from an extremely well-made period piece and was injected into this movie uh is is sort of how i felt about it that being said if we want to 
if we want to take all of that, we want to take the Jacob piece, I think we can now move back to the next piece of the story that we got after Newt's entire sequence. Oh, which let me add one tiny, tiny little note here. Newt, who is like the person who understands beasts, of course, is one of the only people on the planet who would be able to find the chillin', except not really. Credence and company just also show up. Was there a way that they were tracking Newt? I feel like that could have, I think that was like Grindelwald can see the future sort of thing. Like he told them where to go or, Fine. I feel like they were tracking Newt more than they were tracking the creature. That said, when they find the creature, okay, my, it looks like they cast a spell at Mama Chillin. Right? Right. And was that spell not Avada Kedavra? It looked very green. <laughs> Cause let me tell you, if you're gonna make a violent spell hit someone in Harry Potter and make that violent spell the color green, it pretty much has to be Avada Kedavra at this point. That's the rules. And that's exactly what you did. And the way that spell works is that instant death. <laughs> and you sure didn't instant death that chillin'. And I will be willing to accept that because chillins have absolute super duper pure souls that maybe they could resist it, but you gotta say that then. You gotta tell me that. Like, backfill the story, because you hit, you could have just made the spell any other color, and I would have been like, yeah, that damaged it to the point of death. It even would have been acceptable because it almost had like a scaliness to it. Like yeah. like that, like a chillin pelt could literally defend you from a Vodka And it's just like, it's like, this is not an acceptable explanation for a way to avoid the spell because nobody can ever find one. Right, right. Because like, there's, there's like one in the world at a time. Right, exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah so like, like oh, <laughs> There is one way to block it, chill and hide. Right. And maybe and maybe ultimately what we what we learn is that Grindelwald would use a chill and hide mm. as an additional piece of mm. defense mechanism. But they didn't say any of that, so no. none of that's true. No, none so um anyway, they didn't they didn't cast Avada Kedavra at the chillin, or at least they it was a really poorly cast one. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But turns out but then they successfully um defeat Newt, kidnap the chillin, Newt returns to Mama, turns out it's twins. Oh, can I say the other thing that I think would have been extremely cool as like a, a slight change on this particular situation is I do I firmly believe that Newt is one of the most powerful wizards that we have ever seen before. The thing about Newt is he too, like Jacob, has uh, sort of this like innate purity about him that he is the opposite of like Dumbledore and Grindelwald. He has all the power and absolutely no intention whatsoever of using it to rule over anybody at right. all. So in this particular case, what I think would have been insanely cool is to have Newt absolutely outclassing this entire group of, uh, you know, former day Death Eaters or whatever. Yeah. And have it be something like where Newt ultimately like reaches to defend a creature. And like, that is the only reason why they can like break through to him or mm -hmm. something. Cause it would have been awesome to see Newt out there just like completely like yeah. throwing up insane defensive spells. Yeah. You know, just like would have, yeah. rule in the day. And it's right. like the only thing that would block it is that he would not allow another creature to get hurt under his watch. Yeah. And well, that, I mean, ultimately it's because he's like carrying the chillin as well that like, I guess he's not fighting. That's true. Really. That's but, true. Um, you're right. It would have been fun to see him put up a little bit more of a fight. Yes. Yeah. Um, but that's totally sad. Anyway, so back okay. to uh, meeting uh, Lolly and Jacob outside of Jacob's bakery. Yes. Um, this scene, I think, can work, especially with everything else that we were saying about sort of this idea that like part of what makes Jacob so important to the cause is this sense of purity. And I feel like what Lolly is basically testing at the beginning is she had a couple of her buddies come over, come to harass her so that she could determine whether or not Jacob would come out. And or more like to prove to Jacob that he would come out. Okay, I will take that as yeah. as, a, as maybe a misinterpretation on my part okay. of the scene. Because I almost felt like she was like testing him 
But you're right, it makes a lot more sense because if they're already recruiting him for this particular purpose, it doesn't seem like you need to like determine whether or not he would come and like defend somebody from some from some thugs. Yeah, I think he that was like because like he did it and she's like then she immediately like uses it against him. He's like, I don't want any part of it. And he's like, You're already a part of it. Look, like you came out and defended me. Like, right, that's true. Look at you. Okay, yeah. so I think that's what she was doing there. Okay, I'll take that. I'll okay. take that. No problem. Um, but then from there we see uh, kind of an interesting, I guess, piece of magic. <clears throat> again, we've maybe never seen before, which is that Lolly seems to have a very like like an affinity for book related magic. Yes, I think. she did. Uh, which she used was, a lot of books throughout. Yeah it, yeah, it seemed like that came up like in a multitude of occasions that she could use them in a like a variety of ways, which I thought was I thought was kind of an interesting turn on a lot of what we know. So it's like a lot of a lot of what we know about like defensive magic, for example, might be using uh, like a shield spell, uh, a Patronus, you know, like a lot of the stuff that Harry's learning. Yeah. But this was almost like, she is really good at books. Right. But like that applies in way more ways than you think. Right. So like her, her like manipulation of this particular thing seems to like amplify her magic a lot. Um, I guess we could eventually learn that the specific book that she has is some kind of very important magical artifact and she's just putting it to good use uh, or she just is good with books. Or yeah, maybe she's just good with books. Because I think, what'd she do with, I think she just turned it into a port key, right? I I think she turned it into a port key, but it seemed like she was able to use that port key to travel a lot further than you should be able to travel with a port key. And onto a moving train. Yes. Yeah. Um, So that was pretty impressive as well. Right. Yeah. Um, Okay, so that brings us Onto the moving train. Onto the train. Where, Let's meet the team. Where we meet the team. Um, we, we, we start of, you know, you get to go through, you get to see sort of Newt being kind of adorable in like his like leadership position as right. he's like. <laughs> Walks over to the other side. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's like, it's like, it's like he like read in a book how to be a leader. <laughs> yes. This is exactly what it felt like. <laughs> I loved, I love the way that he goes and introduces everybody with like glowing words. And he's like, that's my brother's thesis. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of ignores it. Like, oh, right. You're here. Yeah. Hi. Um, which again is, is sort of this like odd sibling rivalry that it's not really clear what's going on with that still. Like we know in the last movie in Crimes of Grindelwald, it seemed like maybe there could be like Lita was like his childhood best friend. His older brother is now engaged to her. Like maybe you could suggest there's some jealousy, but I really think Newt knows exactly where his heart lies. And I don't think that he was jealous over that. I think it has more to do with Theseus's position within like, the aura office right uh versus using his magic for something else anything else but then tina has the exact same position in america and he's insanely proud of her right for for that so (laughs) the other thing with theseus theseus is that of course theseus is the one who has slain the minotaur so it's like the the idea that newt is who he is and that that is what theseus the name is most primarily known for it's very easy to see why they would be at odds but from a narrative standpoint, I still don't think we haven't seen it. We haven't seen why they're at odds or like right. what impact that is ultimately having on the story. Right. So we have, we have this entire situation. Uh, we see the scene where Newt basically pulls out the wand, which he then presents to Jacob. <clears throat> he says it's made of snake wood, which is important. That's also what Salazar Slytherin's wand was made of. That's like the other notable snake wood wand. Right. And yeah. the, the thing about what we know about Slytherin's wand though, is that it was buried in America, where it grew into a snakewood tree, 
uh, which leaves have healing powers, but branches cannot be cut. Right. Meaning that his wand didn't come from that tree. Right. Um, but it would make sense that an American wizard was given a wand wood from such a noted association right. in that world. Yeah. Um, so that that's, it's kind of interesting. And I guess you have Nagini also in the mix in this story somewhere where serpents are still semi-relevant, yeah. I guess. Um, she makes no appearances in the movie though. Yeah, none whatsoever. So I'm, I'm also kind of curious if like she's just going to be written out entirely. That'd or... be so random. Then why was she was, why was she ever there? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, so so that's a little bit confusing. <clears throat> but then it's they specified that it doesn't have a core. Yes. Which I also thought was kind of interesting yeah. because he brings up the wand a bunch of times and the wand ultimately ends up being kind of a specific plot device because it puts Jacob right in the crosshairs of this assassination attempt later in the movie. Um, but I, like, there's a part of me that is still like, that wand's gonna work. Right. Like at some point in time, it's gonna do something. I know, like they, they've, you're right. They like make a point of like, this is a very specific and rare kind of wood. It doesn't have a core, but then he also is like, can I keep it? And he's like, yes. of course. It's like, yeah, I, something's gonna happen with the wand. I suppose sure. with Newt, it's entirely possible that we could see him collect either a dragon heart string unicorn hair or phoenix feather it could have a phoenix feather no but it only gave two well it doesn't have to be from fox it doesn't have to be from fox that's true yeah that's true yeah okay still unconfirmed whether the phoenix in the movie is fox either um we do see dumbledore holding a tail feather from the phoenix though and showing it to aberforth right and it was like is that one of like harry or voldemort's core feathers that'd be pretty wild i was like that could be interesting that could be interesting but we don't know yet because we also don't know if that is Fox yet. Uh, anyway, we can get back to that later. Team meeting on the train. So they had this very, very fun plan where like Dumbledore is like, Grindelwald can see the future. So what I'm going to do is create a bunch of nonsense futures for him to deal with. Sure. And to distract him. And I was like, that's a very fun plan. And he gives like, he's like, Newt, you're going to give Jacob this thing. No one knows what he's going to do with it. Yusuf, you're going to go to this thing. No one knows what you're going to do. Here's a note for you, Bundy. No one knows what it says except you. Go do what it says. Like, and then she like takes the briefcase from here. And it's like, I don't like this. And it's like, they all have these like secret missions and no one's allowed to know everything. And it's like, I love, this is very fun. This is cool. Like, I like the distraction play you have going here. I can't wait to see how it's going to pan out. But then it just seemed like all of their little initial round one distraction plays were pretty pointless. Like, it seems like they all have these different missions, but Lolly and Theseus and Newt's mission is to go to, like, the dinner meeting thing for right. where, Grindel- where Grindelwald's at. Yep. And they do basically nothing except that Theseus gets captured. And oh, like, on a side plot that I have to tell you is non-essential to yes, the story I know, at all. And it was like, was it, pl- was it your plan for Theseus to get captured? Because that felt pretty pointless like what did you learn by even sending newt and lolly there like i i don't really know now newt is just held up doing this rescue mission but then they get there and you go uh, into this little prison and they have the guy at the front counter and it's like this secret prison that was supposed to be closed but it's not right and you're like okay all right and <clears throat> newt is sort of disarmed of his beasts and wand and stuff like that and he just has to go do his little crab dance which was a thousand percent just like 
an homage back to the rumpet dance. And it was like, mm, you know, this is quite the same. Uh, was, hang on, I had the exact same note written down. Hang yep, on, hang on, okay. hang on. The whole tangent to save Theseus from the giant scorpion felt a bit tiresome and a little bit of a slap in the face to the rumpet scene. Yeah, okay. Which is, is, is kind of how I felt about it. Like, yeah. it was like, we've seen Newt interact in this way before. And I think the example that he's explaining to Theseus, he's like, have you ever done this before? And he's like, I have once. I think that's what he's hearkening back oh, to. Oh, you think so? I thought so. Oh, okay. Um, I don't really know, but it, it was also kind of like, the rumpet scene is like one of my favorite scenes from the original Fantastic Beast movie. Like yeah. it's just another one of those things where you can just see like the links that Newt has gone through to understand his beast. This this felt a little bit like gratuitous. I think. Sure. Um, yeah, I do think it was still funny. It was still funny, and I think I think Eddie Redmayne still did a good job. Yes, I do think. I, I thought um, even Theseus, he was like the way they were interacting with it. He's like swivel your hips more. It's like I am swiveling. He's like they're like me. He's like no, I am doing it like you. <laughs> it was funny because it seems like it seems like <clears throat> if they were like dancing on like a dance floor. Like Theseus would be very like suave, right? And it seems like like Newt wouldn't dance you're right and and this is it does feel like a, a very specific reversal of yeah. what comfort levels yeah and it just seems like this little funny little dance movement they have to do out of this super dangerous situation is like a fun juxtaposition sure so there is that but it was like it's like it's like a fun scene but it's also like what was the point and it's like dumbledore the thing he gives theseus on the train is this shiny tie and he's like no you have to wear this tie you have to wear. trust me you have to wear it and it's like oh okay um and it's like the reason was because the Niffler would be attracted to the tie ultimately, right? And I think like, so. so, so then, like, what is Dumbledore's plan? That Theseus is going to get captured, and the guy sitting at the desk is going to take his tie and put it on, and that's going to cause the Niffler to escape. And then also, also, the tie is also a port key that, uh, when you grab, will teleport you back to outside of Hogwarts. But like. It just sort of like breaks the rules of port keys because you know you can have a port key be like, um, you can have it set up like Lolly did where it's just like, boom, port key, touch, go. You can have it set up so that like, okay, this is gonna go off at this time. And we know like there's the one in the graveyard that Voldemort has where it's like, the next time you touch it or the next time anyone touches it, it's just gonna go on contact. So it's right. like, there's several ways we've seen it done. This one, however, seems to, even though there's several ways you can do it, it seems like it broke a lot of the rules because it's like, they were falling and they both grabbed the tie and that's what port keys them to outside of Hogwarts. It's like, okay, did you, the only way that seems like it works is if the, the tie was set to go off at that specific time and they happened to both be like grabbing it. Like, was that the plan for you to just, was to both be touching it at a specific time? Cause you really lucked out that it happened to teleport you away whilst you were falling into the pit and you both managed to grab it. My my interpretation of it was largely just that Newt cast the spell to turn it into a port key. In the moment. In the moment. Okay. Which is, I mean, it's kind of like, it's it's weak, I think at best, because it just doesn't feel like the type of spell you do whilst falling to your death. Right. Um, It, it just feels like it, it must take more than that. Sure. Um, that being said, another one of the big things that's happening during this entire tangent is that Bundy is going to a... <clears throat> Um, artisan of sorts who creates luggage. And what we witness is that some of the most powerful wizards that we've ever seen ever <coughs> go to a place that makes muggle suitcases yep. that replicate Newt's own suitcase so perfectly that Newt can't even tell the difference. 
those suitcases ended up being a part of a diversion where all of the suitcases are then kind of like magically enhanced in some way. So we had we had a, a muggle worker make standard suitcases that were then bewitched in a world where you can literally just duplicate objects with magic. Dude, I do not know what the point of Bundy's side mission was because it's not even like the guy, like, ugh, you're right, you're right. You can just magically duplicate things. You can just magically duplicate them. There is a doubling spell. It is the, Gemin- the Gemino. They spell. literally use it inside one of the suitcases. Yes, all, all yes. Of the, all, all of the, the things. I was like, hey, they did the thing like in the Lestrange vault. And you know what? Do not, do not, don't confuse them though, okay? The thing that happens in the Lestrange vault is the Gemino spell, but the like burning thing and the like popping into a thousand bazillion million versions of it, that's not how the spell works. Like you can just double one thing once and that'd be the end of the spell. Right. Right? Like, okay, the example, um, when Harry, Ron, Hermione are in the ministry, they steal the locket from Umbridge. Yes. And Harry's like, Hermione, we have to go. And she's like, hold on. And she doubles the locket, puts it back on Umbridge so they won't know. Right. They, you can double it. You can just make an immediate clone of something. No problem. Okay. So I don't know why they had to get this muggle guy. And it, like, even that, it's like, here, can you make five of these? He's like, sure. Can I look at it? He's like, no. <laughs> you can look at it from afar right now. I need you to make exact replicas, five of them in two days. Okay. I'd be like, uh, no. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, okay. It's like I don't I don't see the giant bag of like because the other thing too would be like if you like like slapped a pile of galleons on the table and the guy's like, whoa, that's a bunch of gold. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm in. Yeah. Um, it was just like like here's this terribly hard task in a short amount of time, and you can't even look at the thing you have to do. It's like and and you don't need someone to make them because you can magically duplicate things. Also, the like, the fact that she wouldn't let him look inside of it. It's like there is a scene, and you don't even have to go out of universe to, if you want to even call it out of universe to the Harry Potter movies. In Fantastic Beast, there is a very notable moment where he goes up and is able to switch it into like muggle mode where they can open it up and it's just like his scarves and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, why didn't you just do that? Use that switch. Use the switch again. Use the switch again. Also, he must have had to put the switch on there. <laughs> and wonder like, what does muggle mean? Because dude's like, I can't tell the difference, which that would be a pretty noticeable difference. Have a little switch on there, which we know was on there because it's like such a fun scene in the first movie. So I don't know what Bundy's mission was, the point of it at all was. Uh, I think I need a break. I think I need wait, a break. Can't I, just, I just need, we're like in the middle you know what? of the thing. I just, I need, I need a okay. break. I'm oh. going, I'm, we're getting out. Yep. And he's gone. You guys, I don't want to brag, but I am pretty sure that is one of my best exits of all time. Anyway, welcome to the Scenic Group, where as ever, we tell you about today's sponsor, which is Native. If you guys haven't already heard about Native, then it is about time you did, because they put so much energy into their products, including lotions, deodorants, and toothpaste. And I will be the absolute first to admit that when I heard about charcoal toothpaste, I was skeptical, but now I will not use anything else. And 
native as a company is just really cool because they're absolutely doing their part to be sustainable. All of their packaging is 100% plastic free and fully recyclable. For example, every time you buy native deodorant, you are saving 37 grams of plastic, which while it does seem small, it does also make you feel good. They have 10 different scents to choose from, including classic, coconut, and vanilla, all made without baking soda. Plus, with every purchase, they commit 1% of their plastic-free deodorant sales to environmental nonprofits. And, you know, the thing that I love the most about this is that things like toothpaste, deodorant, lotions, they're things that we're already buying anyway. So if there's a way for me to do that a little extra responsibly, then I love that. Seriously, guys, if you haven't ever tried plastic-free deodorant or charcoal toothpaste, then it's definitely time to look into it. And when you head on over to nativedeo.com slash J versus B and use promo code J versus B at checkout, you'll get 20% off your first order. Again, that's going to be nativedeo.com slash J versus B, promo code J versus B for 20% off your first order. Link is in the description down below. Well, guys, just because Ben gets to go gallivanting around doesn't mean we can't have some secrets of our own, am I right? <laughs> anyway, let's get right into it. Today's video is also brought to you by Babbel, because look, I'm going to level with you. Learning a second language in high school probably wasn't the height of most of our academic careers. It wasn't for me. I personally took French and then also Latin when I discovered that I was bad at French. And while I certainly didn't fail, I didn't exactly thrive either. Well, like I said, in French, I was actually really good at Latin. Unfortunately, Latin is a dead language that no one speaks anymore. But fortunately, thanks to Babbel, now there is a fun, easy way to learn a second language. So whether you're traveling abroad, connecting with family, or just have some free time available, Babbel offers bite-sized language lessons that are actually fun and useful. I personally have been trying to brush up, or at least maintain, remember some of the French I learned in high school. And thanks to Babbel, it's actually fun. They just have so many ways to learn. There are short lessons, podcasts, games, stories, videos, and their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. It's seriously the perfect way to learn a new language on the go and have fun. Plus, right now, our viewers can save up to 60% off their subscription when they go to babbel.com slash jverseb. That's babbel.com slash jverseb for up to 60% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. Link is in the description down below. Au revoir. Oh, okay. Hey, I'm uh, back. I'm back. Yeah. I'm back. I'm back. Fun. I'm back. You guys miss me? I'm back. Bonjour. Should we keep talking? Yeah. Bonjour. Anyway, they make the suitcases. Whatever. They get it done. Bundy, good job. I have more to say about you. But uh, <laughs> they go to the, the room we require, which I guess confirmed Dumbledore absolutely knew about and definitely just didn't tell Harry about other than his like, unless the unless the toilets he was referring to in chamber the gods, the chamber pots, he was talking about at the Yule Ball was actually a whole separate room besides the room of requirement, then I, I don't know. But he definitely confirmed he definitely knows about the room of requirement, which I kind of feel like is a bit of a shame because I feel like it was kind of cool that Harry found it. It is, it, you know? right, yes, absolutely. But whatever. Yeah. They go in there. Everyone's wondering what this giant spinning port key thing is. And all it does is it takes them to the town at the bottom of the mountain in Bhutan to go do the thing. And Jacob very helpfully explains to the audience that it's a shell game. Oh, look, everyone has the same briefcase. Now they won't know who to, who to get, which briefcase to get, which is a very, again, it's like, this is such a fun idea. I love your shell game idea. Here's the problem. Okay, are you ready? It all bottlenecks to a single 
portal. Right. It's like, the bad guys, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you spread out and have identical things. They can just stand at the at the bottleneck and be like, uh, no. Because guess what? It doesn't matter what briefcase you're carrying, right? By making five of them, now they just know it's definitely in one of the things that looks like that. Like, you should have had five different looking things. And if ever there was a time for Polyjuice Potion, this was it. Because they know what you look like. Like, give everyone a different bag, give everyone a different look, and they can walk right up. No problem. And I just like, your your shell game doesn't make sense because everyone still has to go to the same point. But Jay, but then then you have the the awesome reveal at the end, right? Where, Where a woman who you can't see from behind turns around, is holding a case, wait for it. Who is it? Could it be? Bundy. Bundy. I know. What? I, uh, they, they everybody like, had their role to play, Newt. I, not everyone can know everything. It's like, I could not wait, because she said that to him earlier in the movie, and like, my thought going in, like, our theory going in was that Bundy was Tina, yeah. right? And there's this scene earlier where like, Bundy like, looks at like, Tina's picture in the suitcase, and it's just like, and you're like, I was like, mm-hmm. and then she said like, not everyone can know everything, you know, it's just like, and then yeah, Newt even says like, Tina couldn't be available. Yeah. I was like, oh, see, Newt doesn't know, and she's like, winking at him, like, you can't know everything, and then like, Bundy's the one who has to take the briefcase from him and Dumbledore is like don't worry it's in very capable hands right yeah you've seen Tina interact with the beast and it's just like oh my god it's gonna be Tina then she walks up at the end and I could not wait for her to like transform back and be like not everyone can know everything and you'd be like no it was Tina the whole time but it wasn't it would have been so easy it would have been so easy like it felt like they set it up this felt like they set it up for like 90% of the movie and then chicken down at the end and I was just like guys you could have had Tina there. You could have done it because, like, even Newt didn't know, and that was the whole thing. I blame myself. <clears throat> you blame me. Yeah, I've been very public about my dislike of Polyjuice Potion. Someone somewhere was like, "We can't do Polyjuice again. We can't. We can't do it again. It can't, can't be the." Yeah, and it's like it's like no. This would have been the time. <clears throat> this was this the time. Done it. It would have been like because Tina. The fact that she has such a high-ranking position would be such a reason to disguise her. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. No, we know to be on the lookout for the literal head of the aura department from America. Like, yeah. Grindelwald knows she's bad news. She's already caught him once before. Like, <laughs> you know, you yeah. tried to kill her. She escaped. You know, <laughs> she is bad news for you. She is very good at beating you. She's part of the foil to your plans. Right. Um... That being said, then then we also have this incredibly odd thing that is going on with the character of Bundy, which is that she very, very, very clearly has an admiration for Newt. Yeah. And it's like, I, I'm having a really hard time understanding why. Like, I don't, I mean, because it's, it's like, we, we know that Newt ends up with Tina eventually. Yeah. Um, and it, it seems like Newt at the very thought of Tina even being discussed blushes. Like yeah. he, there are no two there. It's not a love triangle. Like it's not, there's no two ways about it. Like Newt loves Tina hard stop. Right. Like that is it. And so it's, I'm the only thing, the only thing that I can think they are setting you up for is that Bundy keeps thinking throughout all this, throughout all of her wins, throughout all of her support, that she is eventually going to break through to Newt at some point in time. And when she ultimately discovers that Newt just does love Tina, then what you're going to have is somebody who turns on Newt 
all of a sudden and also has an enormous amount of knowledge about all of the stuff that he did. Well, no, that'd be interesting if Bundy switched, but I don't think so. Cause like at the end, she sort of like looks over at Tina's picture again. She's like, sometimes when you know, you just know. Like that's, that seemed to like, when she said that, I was like, that's her being like, I, I, I am in love with you, but I can just tell that you are just so in love with Tina that you just know. And so I will back off. It was just like, but like, they've given too much, <coughs> they, they, they've given too much like allowance to this admiration at this point in time. Like I think in Crimes of Grindelwald, it would have been easy enough just for what us to witness with, with the character of Bundy is that like Newt does have this appeal that like even Newt, like Newt would never have any idea. Right. Like he doesn't know. Yeah. You know, because the way in which he is confident, the way in which he is like debonair is in the way that he interacts with the beasts. Right. And so it's like, but every other time, you know, he's, I mean, he's like, his body language suggests that he's like, he's not confident in the room, you know? So it's, it would have been a cute way to show like how, how Newt could be oblivious to social cues, I guess maybe. Yeah. Uh, in, in other environments. But so otherwise I don't really know what's going on with that. But anyway, we can move on from that because movie is called Secrets of Dumbledore, yeah. right? Yeah. And so we find out that there are in fact some secrets. Uh, one of which is the fact that we finally know one of Credence, one of who Credence's parents is. Aberforth. This was like the number one big question from the end of the last movie going in. Like, who is Credence? Is he really a Dumbledore? And I guess the answer is yes. And the how is just that whilst Albus was falling in love with Grindelwald, that Aberforth also, uh, had a kid. Fell in love. Fell in love with an off-screen woman and had a kid and then I guess sent him to America. Now we don't know. So now obviously the big question is why did they send him away? And two, who was the mom? Who was the mom? <laughs> but so the, this is again where I think like we, we talked about it earlier, but like <coughs> Grindelwald and Dumbledore have all this history as like young men. And I think that they, if they had consistently been going back and forth with the flashbacks, if we consistently seen the dynamic between Albus and Grindelwald and then also Ariana and Aberforth within that, I, I think that like if you had slowly had it simmering up to the point where what you realized was actually happening was that Aberforth was also falling in love and you're paying too much attention to Dumbledore and Grindelwald to see it. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's like you, you pan back and you're like, Aberforth. Right. It was him. Yeah. You know, and you're like, the whole time we were watching them, but it turned out we should have been watching him. Like, you know, then you could have this really cool, like, back and forth, like, the scenes are unfolding and everybody is kind of learning everything at the same time. It wasn't particularly fun. There wasn't a whole lot of, like, whoa, or, like, I, I don't know, like, like takeaways. Well, to like, they, they also introduce it just sort of, like, very casually, like, Newt overhears... Albus talking to Aberforth saying like, he's your son. And he's like holding up the feather. Right. And he's like, you need to be there for him. And it was like, like that was it. That was the like answer. Like, oh my God, wait, what? Aberforth is Credence's father? No, like that was the big reveal, right? But like, even then I was like, it happens kind of early in the movie and he's holding like the Phoenix feather when he says it. And it's like, you use context clues to like, you you obviously like are waiting for the answer to this exact question and they just told it to you. And it felt like that was almost too easy. I was like, I kept waiting for it to be like, 
he was actually talking about the phoenix and that's like the wings from the water right and i was like but no then very much at the end aberforth is just over talking to credence and they're like this is definitely the route we're going it's not that i like i really thought it was like a misdirect i like, i I thought so too. Yeah. I, yeah, I definitely thought this was the type of thing where that that's that is like what they were ultimately setting us up for is that is is again maybe like the twin swap from Crimes of Grindelwald oh, was oh, not be, known to everybody because even when they were like the chillin had twins, I was like, ah, I see. Like, see, there was two of them, just like there was two babies. Right. Yes. Yes. Yep. I was like, I see what this guy. I see they're building up for some sort of fun, fun like switcherooski here, and that they didn't. But so, okay, so that's the other thing too. So Dumbledore eventually goes and has the conversation. He's like, he's your son. But like, Aeroforth already knows that. Yeah, right, like, right. Like, so it's a reveal to us, but like we, we see earlier in the movie when Queenie is talking to Credence in Nermengard. Nermengard. That they're already communicating through the mirrors. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure uh, it said, come home. Yeah, when, even even the mirror communication I thought was going to end up being like a misdirect because like, like he comes up and he's like, "That's who's communicating in the mirrors," and like they don't actually sort of confirm it, right? Like, and it's like you see that Credence is looking at a mirror, and you see that Aberforth is looking at a mirror, and it's like you've seen people communicate via mirror before, and it's like okay, and then you overhear this conversation that he's your son. Now you're like, okay, okay. All, even all the messages are cryptic enough. You're like, okay, I get it. Those who are talking to each other, and that's his son. Got it. Reveal. And then I was, I kept waiting for it to be like, actually, I was the one sending the messages. Or right, right, know, right. Yeah, yeah. Or like, <laughs> again, and, go back and to I'm not your son. Yeah, it was yeah. like, oh, but, uh, it, but I guess it was just them talking to each other. Right. But so then so. the question too is like, how did that line of communication begin? in the first place. Right. Um, because it seems like a very specific kind of magic, this like fogged mirror thing. And Credence is like inside the belly of the beast. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's how like, do they establish this connection between those mirrors? Exactly. Because yeah. even those mirrors, like, especially when you consider the pre-existing relationship that Aberforth already has with magical mirrors. Yes. Um, with Harry. With Harry. It's like the the fact that everybody during Harry's period of time doesn't all just have basically text, you know, like cell phones that yeah. are mirrors. And it's just like, hey, let me like, let me let me scribble you a quick right, message. Like the ability to communicate with people who are far away is a constant obstacle that Harry has to overcome. Right. Like, you know, it's like, oh, we have these two-way mirrors. And it's like, well, could you have maybe just used the bathroom mirror, it seems like? Right. You know, could you and Sirius have not figured this out? Like, I, like his his inability to communicate with Sirius, like, drives the plot forward so often. Right. And it's like, it, there's just other it, just ways you like, it. it just seems like there's other ways you could have done it. Or it's like, what what method were Dumbledore and Grindelwald using to talk in the, in the restaurant? Like, was that a way Harry could have talked to people? Like, was it related to the blood pack? Okay, let's talk about the blood pack. Okay, let's talk about the blood pack. Okay, let's get there. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. They kind of give you some explanation for like, well, what happened? How? What happens if you break it? If Can you not fight each other? And it's like, at the very thought of trying to fight him, watch what will happen. And it's like, the blood pack like zooms out of his hand and starts attacking the wall. And then like the cord starts like wrapping around his like neck and arm. It looks like it's gonna like choke him or, you know, right. stop his breathing or something. And he kind of explains it all to Newton. You're like, okay, all right. Like, what I wanted Newt to say was like, what if you aren't holding the chain? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, like, what would happen? Like, because 
what would have happened if Dumbledore had moved against Grindelwald while Grindelwald still had the exactly chain? like would that have happened to Grindelwald? Would it have shot over to Dumbledore? Like, what if Newt had never given it to Dumbledore? You know, like would it have just found them? Like how? Like it seemed like the answer was just don't be holding the chain when you do it, or something. It, it did, yeah. It's and it's it's tricky again because it's like was that just a good way to illustrate the way that the Blood Pact would like right attack you? That's probably the. Right, like it would attack you no matter what, but kind of like a um, unbreakable bow. Yeah, because you know? they they also have like sort of what almost looks like chains kind of yeah, wrapping around your arms exactly. and stuff as you do that. So that that is entirely possible, and, and yeah. maybe something similar is what would happen if you broke an unbreakable vow. Um, but yeah, otherwise, you know, you sort of get this explanation. But with the blood pact, I also felt like there was a couple of other really interesting things that potentially were in play. Because if we go back to that original diner scene where they're communicating in the beginning, we do have the moment where Dumbledore explains to Grindelwald, like, I loved you. Like, that's why I followed you. And it's sort of like, it's a very important distinction because I think what that suggests is that Dumbledore absolutely loved Grindelwald. Does that mean that Grindelwald loved him back? And I kept thinking, like, that could be... Like, the distinction? Like, a notable distinction. Yeah. yeah. Like, like there actually is unexpected... Like, it's tricky because then you don't get to see what the Blood Pact would do because technically the Blood Pact shouldn't affect <coughs> Albus in the same way that it does affect Grindelwald. Or right, if that was the case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, so then at the end of the movie, they finally fi- sort of find a way to break it and, like you know newt asks like how did this happen like you know for you the audience basically like and dumbledore's like call it fate (laughs) he's like i sought to kill i sought to protect he sought to kill it broke (laughs) it was like and (laughs) go on right like what do you like it seemed like they were like yeah we sort of wrote ourselves into a corner so this happened and now it broke Right. Okay. Right. So, like, why even introduce the blood back? I don't. Uh, not strictly necessary. Not, not strictly, strictly necessary. necessary. Could have just been the case that Dumbledore didn't want to move against him because he loved him, and that's it. And that's it. It's like that's the big reveal. Is that like, right. why can't I move against him because I love him? It's it, like I understand that he's doing awful things, but I do love him, and therefore I can't make these actions. Right. And it's like that. Like maybe, maybe that's just it. Maybe it's a little bit of a stretch. Maybe it's kind of hard to imagine with a character like Dumbledore, who's but, apparently pure enough to have a chill and bow before him. But, but love is, you know, pure the purest of magic. Right. And, and, we, we, and we know that that's something that Dumbledore comes back to over yes. and over and over again for, again, the rest of his life. Yes. Um. So, I mean, it's like forever and ever, love ends up being what Dumbledore knows to be the most powerful form of magic. But either way, the blood pack is broken, at which point in time we get, like, a pretty boring duel, I thought. Yeah, it could have been. And again... Out of, like they they're like in that like everyone sort of disappears, so right. yeah. I was like, how did you get here this time? Because you didn't do the mirror spit reflection. <laughs> you don't have the deluminator. Are you is this, are you guys this is like the the blood pact itself creating this realm for you two to fight in secretly? Why couldn't everyone watch it? I don't understand how you got into the place where you were fighting, or is this more like a metaphysical sort of fight? Is this like representing what's happening inside the blood bath? It's like, what? How did you get separated from everyone? Doesn't seem like it makes sense. It, and it, you're right. I look. There is a fantastic fan-made Harry Potter film where it is 
Aberforth and Albus and Grindelwald fight, doing doing the three-way duel that kills Ariana, right? I've watched it. They're like all fighting on a beach somewhere. Yeah. And like that fight is awesome. It's like way better than what was in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. Like, like, or or <clears throat> even, I mean, just for that matter, even just the duel between uh, Dumbledore and Voldemort at the Ministry of Magic is cooler. Yes. They like, do much neater things. They're just, yeah, this is just like zappy spell at, at each other. Right. And they, they sort of, I mean, it, I guess there's a question. Did Priori and Cantatum happen here or like, did their mm. wands like oh. merge? Because if that's the case, then it means that Dumbledore's wand, we made a theory about this Ooh. forever oh, ago. Right. It means that the elder wand has, has a brother. A brother. Oh. And cause it does sort of do the golden bead thing, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Thestral gave only one hand, mm, one other. Two. That would to be its brother. That you're right. Okay, so that's that's another thing. You're right. That'd be. I like that idea a lot. Okay. Maybe we're gonna explore that in a different video. Um, the Deathly Hallows just not in play at all. Right. Like, no. Grindelwald's hunt for them is just like very on pause as he tries to become Wizard King. Right. Um, with his fake chillin, which he like kills and then resurrects somehow in his pool of stuff. <laughs> Which yep. it felt like he takes a long time to resurrect it too. Yeah, like it just seems like he kills it, and then like a week later is like, well, I guess I should get around to resurrecting this thing. It ain't getting any better. <laughs> like, yeah, like how would you do that, man? Not, not great. And then uh, on top of that, so you have this duel. Basically, he gets backed against the corner, and it, it feels like this is another one of those places that you shouldn't be able to separate out of. Because you had to go through like the bridge thing, right? Yeah. In order to get your way to the top, to the top of the mountain. Of the mountain. Which to me means like It's just magical escalator. There's a lot of stairs, man. Jay, they are all wizards. Yeah. They can all already operate to the top of the mountain. <laughs> they don't need they don't need an escalator. Yeah, you're right. It's like you shouldn't be able to you shouldn't be able to disapparate out of there. So like, especially it, because otherwise, then why couldn't the port key from the room of requirement just take them to the top of the mountain? So it's a bit of a there's a lot of inconsistent plot spaghetti happening. It just it's just like noodles right. all over the place. Right. Um, the things that don't seem like they had to go the way they had to go, even if like the stuff you had to watch was kind of fun. Like I really liked watching. Lolly and Theseus beat up the horde of Grindelwald guards who come and attack them in the town. Very fun fight. That was very cool. And it, like, that was probably the most creative fight in the yes. in the movie. Yeah, and and again, it was almost like you had um, you had the ability to just see how like just how good they are. Yeah. at magic, which because I mean they're massively outnumbered in this situation. They're just like taking names left and right. Yeah. Uh, so so that was that was really neat. Um. I also felt like they had like a little bit of like a a, a spark, mm, maybe yeah. as, as a possible as a possible. You're right. Or another. Maybe had a something or another there. One thing that actually did confirm that we got right that I don't feel like even needed confirming was that Ariana confirmed Obscurus. Yep. Called it. Not really. Everyone knew. Yeah. I feel like everyone knew that one. That felt like that felt like if it wasn't the case, then it was just like yeah, well, yeah. Okay. So the other thing I I thought was like a weird decision was that thus far Credence has felt like this sort of like wunderkind or like like this special specimen of a human who has managed to overcome 
the Obscurus and control it and turn it into like powerful magic where no other child has ever before. Right. Like it typically, it is like a magical parasite. It infects the child. It kills them. That's sort of how it goes, but not Credence. Credence has risen above. He is special, except it turns out he's not, it's like this movie just sort of been like, no, Credence actually isn't special. He's certainly, he's done more than other kids have, but it's still just going to kill him the same as it has killed everyone else before him. Yeah. And uh, after finding Dumbledore, that is going to become immediately apparent because he's going to look nice and healthy right up until the start of that duel. And then right at the end of that duel, he's going to look like he's been uh, in in the intensive care ward of St. Mungo's for like six months and is basically about to die. Yeah, I, there, I mean, there's a light, light, light explanation there, which Grindelwald explains that basically his anger is his power. And the my best explanation oh, for I'm, that would be that, like, once Dumbledore actually explains, like, we didn't know, you know, it's like there was nothing we could have done. Like, we didn't know you were there. Um, all I can imagine, it was just sort of he was like, who is we, though? Well, that is a very good question, because yeah. April 4th possibly knew. Th- did he know the whole time that he had a son? Did he always know? It seemed, I mean... Because he's communicating with the mirrors. He's communicating with the mirrors. And so here's what I would say. Is that eventually, Aberforth is pretty on his high goat over Dumbledore for not properly tending to their frail younger sister. And it's like, okay, Aberforth, man. Like, you need to, like, you need to come down a little bit. You know? And and maybe, maybe, look yourself. Hold on. Look yourself in the mirror. Yeah. You know, because you love him so much. I guess maybe he thought he was the one who drowned at sea. Right? It is It is possible. possible. It is that, possible. He still would have been sending his son away if he's aware of the fact that it happened. Instead right. of tending to it himself, which is the very thing he was mad at Albus for doing, which is that he wanted to go on this world tour. Right. You know? Yeah. Because he's, ah, man. It's very, it's very hypocritical of Aberforth. Yeah. In the long run. Which I mean, people can be hypocritical. That, you're right. That, I mean, doesn't, that's, it, it doesn't. It's not like you're not allowed to be hypocritical. It just is. <laughs> right. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't absolve Dumbledore of any of the the things yeah. that happened. He's not particular. wrong about Dumbledore. He just also did those things. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I walked into the theater and I had told my friends because they were like, "Are you excited about it?" And I said that my hope is that best case scenario, this movie will score a 70%. Mm-hmm. And most of my friends looked at me and they were like, dude, that's a low bar. I don't even think it came close. You don't think so? No. No. <laughs> I mean, I like, I could generously give this movie a 40. Oh man. Wow. Real low. Yeah. Real low. Uh, I was thinking probably right at around like a 70, 75. Oh, that um, is a lot more generous. Well, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was better than Crimes of Grindelwald. I don't know if I did. Okay. I don't know if I did. I mean, Crowns of Grindelwald was its own version of a mess, but ah. There was, I mean, yeah, it's just like, it just felt like there were so many things they didn't explain the magic behind. Like they had a lot of good ideas. Yeah. And a lot of like fun things to do, but then like, it just seemed like it fizzled like at every turn. Yeah. It's Uh. like, yeah, so and, and and that's the thing. I think you're absolutely right. Like I think I think that the introduction of the chillin as a new plot device is a is is awesome. It's a really really cool magical creature. I love the scarcity of it. It does fall into that category of things where it's like this is like 
it's not a magical artifact because it's a living creature, but it's like, it's in that same vein. Like yeah. nothing else has this power other than this one thing. Right. Love that. And it does feel like Newt would be the only person who could find it. It does. It also feels that way. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> I feel like what it could have told us about somebody else as another character is the type of thing where it should have been fairly unexpected who it was going to bow to. Right. And I think the implications of that bow would have been something that had massive importance going forward. Yeah. It felt like they were setting up Jacob to be this particular character. Right, which would have been really surprising then about to a muggle in this. Like in big... literally the election of Wizard <coughs> King. Right. Um, it could have even left you wondering like, wait, can it bow to a muggle? Like that could have been another question going forward. Like he gave, they gave him a wand and like, like it bowed to him. Like, is he a wizard? You know, it could right. kind of, yeah. That, that's a very that's a very good point as well. Um, I again I think the the suitcase game how they set up the suitcases I thought was kind of silly, but I think the suitcases could have been just like mind bendingly cool in how they were able to sort of ingenious their way around and like because ultimately they're just kind of booby traps. Yeah, you know, and I think it would have been a lot cooler if you were watching all of Grindelwald's key henchmen basically be foiled in a very like, oh no. You know, and, and like it finally slowly like builds and, and like the characters who don't even know what the actual plan is for them. They know just enough for it to be like coming together before them. I absolutely think having Tina show up at the end would have been like such a such a really cool way. Because like when again, like Newt gives up his case earlier in the movie to Bundy. And it's like to me, the only person Newt would trust his case with is Tina. And, and like think, Dumbledore knows that. And Dumbledore knows that. Right. And so I think what Dumbledore, like, it's like, it's hard for Newt because he's like, I'm like, I'm not comfortable with this situation. But when he comes to learn, it's like, okay, if it was going to be somebody, at least it was the person who I would have trusted. Right. Um, and, and again, what exactly what Bundy says right at the end is like, you know, not everybody could know everything. Right. Like this, like the game started before you knew. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. that. Because Newt, Newt almost seems like he's really the point man for most of it. Like yeah. Dumbledore is obviously like the, the master puppeteer as always. But Newt is the one who is like assembling the crew. He's the one who's like handing out the artifacts. He's, he's like the one who's like sort of setting a lot of the stuff in motion. So mm -hmm. if there was even a huge piece of it that he had no clue about, uh, I think that could have been really fascinating. I, I think the way in which some of Grindelwald's visions could have been incorrect in a way that he was misinterpreting, I also think could have been really interesting. Um, otherwise, it's just like, I, I feel I feel like I loved things about this movie. Right. Like, like I really did. And, and like, I don't even think the actress did a bad job. I think Mads was a massive improvement for Grindelwald. Um, I thought Jude Law did a good job. I thought Eddie Redmayne has ever did a good job. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Dan Fogler as Jacob was just Great. hilarious. When he, when he drinks the giggle water on the train, yeah. I like literally was like cackling in yes. my seat. It's I think it's just tough because it it feels like the way that we have spent so much time interpreting these stories and stuff is by trying to play by the established rules of the world, and it just doesn't seem like those rules seem to like apply. <laughs> yeah, and so it's it's it deviates in this area where you're just like you start to have to wonder whether or not you can include Fantastic Beasts information as part of the Harry Potter canon. But like, I think you're supposed to. I do think you're supposed to. Yeah. It's just, it, I don't know. I don't know how you, I don't know how you bring it 
I don't know how you bring it back. Like we just spent the last several years trying to fix crimes with Grindelwald. <laughs> right. You know, it's like this one just like breaks so many. It, like it just seems like it just there's all these rules and obstacles Harry has to navigate. It's just like now nah, we're just gonna break through those walls. Uh, and <clears throat> you know what? Here's what I'm gonna hold out hope for. I'm going to hold out hope that I am not smart enough to see how good it was. Sure. That is maybe we'll see. I've seen it one time. We're seeing it again this week. Maybe it will just come to pass that it's like Ben, you. You didn't understand the brilliance. You didn't recognize it. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not the movie, it's you. I'd be fine with that. I will accept it gladly. Indeed. Anyway, my question of the day for all of you, what do you think? Good, great, ugh. Let us know in the down section down below. Guys, as always, thank you so much for tuning in and watching this video. Be sure to like it and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. This video is not out yet, but coming soon, we're gonna have our top unanswered questions from Secrets of Dumbledore. When that's live, you'll be able to click it right here. But until next time, bye. bye.